uh, compulsive reader and bulimic, and eternally grateful for this. Even the days that I don't act grateful, I am grateful um, because those those days that I don't act grateful, I'm able to at least live in the day. When I was bulimic, compulsively overeating, um, I couldn't live in the day. All I could live in was uh, uh, self-flagellation of what a jerk I was for being so sick and for stuffing my face. And if I reached a certain level to stuff my face, I had to throw it up. Otherwise, it was just, everything was so sick that, it be, you know, I, and we all understand this or we wouldn't be here, I think, um, because everything starts revolving around the food, whether it's food thoughts, also eating the food, judging what the food has done to our body, all those things. Like, talk about our minutes, seconds, hours wasted. And um, I have 33 and a half years of sobriety. I was going to say sobriety. It is sobriety, too, because I'm in both programs. I'm in, I'm in the refreshment program as well. Uh, sobriety and, um, you know, I don't call it abstinence. I call it recovery because I remember the early days um, counting and then, you know, if you'd fail, people would feel, you know, and I hear today even saying I'm starting over on day one and this and that, or people who come back after two years and stuff. We don't lose. I don't believe this is my own opinion. Of course, we don't lose what we have. It all becomes like, you know, it would be great if we had the straight trajectory that said, you know, I entered the program, I did everything and everything came out perfectly and stuff. But, you know, we're human beings. We're flawed human, you know, flawed, all of us, whether we're in this program or not, you know. And, you know, I didn't have, like, I didn't, I haven't, my, my um, abstinence or my recovery is um, no binging, no purging. That's it. I have a universal food program. And I arrived at that by when I got into OA, it was all, um, what was that called? Uh, Reishi. And for me, Reishi, and I came out of rehab. Um, what drove me, I, I had the gift of desperation. I was suicidal. And um, they, I was put into treatment. I was told I had to go to treatment. Um, and so I went to treatment and just felt so relieved to be in a place where I didn't have to puke and shove my face and hang around garbage cans and, you know, try to dart into a bathroom when I didn't think anybody was there. All those things that just ate up my time. All I had in my life, I was 30 years old when I entered OA, was a career and my, my eating disorder and very, nothing in between, no boyfriend. I occasionally would have a boyfriend, but I had no time because you know who could do that when you were spending so much time thinking about my food, and so um, and my I was going to lose my career clearly because I was suicidal, and it no longer mattered um, what I did or how I did. I didn't want to be on this earth anymore as this person who would wake up in the morning and never know where the day was going to take her, especially weekends when they were unstructured time and I wasn't working. When I was working. It gave me this incredible structure and the same kind of um, concentration I could put on my food and whether I was fat or whatever, whatever I could put into my work. So I had those two things going on and nothing else. So I had a pretty empty life. And uh, meanwhile, my people I knew were getting married. They were doing all these things. And I was just traveling for work. 
and never knowing whether I was going to waste an entire day after work throwing up all night. And um, I, so I came in and I was doing gray sheet, which, but more than gray sheet, I was going to meetings every single day. But I was feeling my world of food, and this is just my experience. We all have different food plans. And the, to me, the key thing about OA is that it's not about the food, it's not about the food, it's not about the food, or else you can go to Weight Watchers or, or just a nutritionist. It's about the feelings that lead us to whatever we're doing to take the edge off, whatever we're going to do to lose ourselves from ourselves. The person I don't want to be, I want to lose myself from that person. And that's what the steps take us, the steps take us back to looking at the person we are, you know, making amends for things we've done, uh, being gentle with ourselves, and seeing a new way to live. A way to live that doesn't require taking the edge off. That, and that doesn't mean that I'm not still an addict. I mean, like, I'm, you know, I might overeat. I don't compulsively overeat. I don't, you know, I might have a, a big meal and feel full. I don't sit around for half an hour thinking about how I'm going to run into a bathroom. I just say, oh, I feel full. End of story. Because, you know, I am not my food. My food doesn't define me. Just like when people say, oh, I didn't have a, you know, my, my, my food plan has been imperfect. And I'm thinking like, what's a perfect food plan? Like, please let me know what's a perfect food plan. You know, it's like, it's just food and it's just us and it's life. And, um, so in that, in the first year, and that's why I, the first year and a half in program, I was dutifully following gray sheet until my universe of food became so small that I would start uh, eating too much yogurt because that's, you know, that's what I did. Like even in the small universe of food, I would find some goopyish kind of food that I could try to like sneak and overeat because I wasn't changing myself yet. And I didn't realize that it wasn't the food. And finally, after a year and a half, I um, binged on $40 worth. This is 33 years ago. So $40 worth of fudge, which is a lot of fudge. And I was on a, um, I was working. And instead of throwing up, I got on the phone and called a counselor from rehab and she stayed on the phone with me all night, all night. And I still, I still contact that woman on Facebook and I had to go the next day, which is really part of, to me, long-term recovery. You've got to be all in. If you're not all in, because you're all in your eating disorder, right? So if you don't have that same kind of, you know, we call it desperation. I was certainly desperate, but also passion for, this new person I wanted to be. So I was sick as a dog, but I went to work the next day anyway. I had to go out to lunch with the crew. I, you know, I, I had to take responsibility for what I put in my body and it was awful. It was awful. And after that, I didn't throw up again. But I had what my sponsor told me was no matter what, you don't throw up. You show up to meetings, you go through your regular life, but you don't throw up. And she promised me that the binges would get smaller and smaller. And that is exactly what happened. But I had to put my ego completely aside. I would show up at meetings sometimes with my pants unzippered because I just had a binge, sit there through the discomfort and everything else. And gradually, over the course of the next year, the binges just got smaller and smaller and smaller. But I also put on 20 pounds. Okay. And so I put on 20 pounds and I was not ever a restrictor. So, you know, it was the first time I was a little bit overweight and, um, 
and I say a little bit only because I'm five eight and you can carry some extra weight and whatever. But I really believe because I had been really lonely in my life because of just my work and nothing else. And I met my husband at that weight. I met my husband at a weight that I would say no one would take, you know, no one would look at me like I was just horrific, you know, in my own mind. And um, I was set up on a blind date and I met my husband and um, well, my, my boyfriend, then. but uh, it was, and I had to go through everything. I mean, I had to, I had to tell him because I had him walk me. He would walk me to meetings. He wouldn't go in because even then, if a person wouldn't accept the fact that I was in this program, that person was not going to be in my life. And that's how, that's how I had to put it to myself because I know I'm such an extremist. I can extremely put myself into something or extremely pull myself out. And I know what extremely pulling myself out looked like and felt like, and it was death. Is that's what it felt like? The slow, horrible walk to death, which was my eating disorder. And I don't see it any different today. Um, I might start with a little extra or this and that, and, whatever, sitting down with something that, you know, I don't eat today that because it's not good for me. And I'll know that just like with anything else, I'll go to town because that's my eating disorder, my addiction for anything. And I could be addicted to anything is more, you know, and, um, and I understand we have differences in this program because more, there are people for whom it's less restrictors. And when they're feeling tense or whatever, they restrict their food and they eat less and whatever. That is not part of my brain. You know, I know that that's painful because I've had sponsees with that. Um, and, it's, and it can be just as painful as the overeating or the desire to overeat. But, you know, when I was young, I was thinking, oh, I wish I were an anorexic. Well, you know, never being in this program and seeing the ravages of every iteration of this disease is enough to say thank God. All I say is God bless you, and I hope we all find the same recovery. You know, because I I truly understand today that any version of this is a horrible way to live, um, because it takes over your mind, and then eventually takes over your soul. And that's why I was I was truly suicidal. I was trying to you know, and because um, it, it really it ate away at my soul because like. I didn't really believe at my center I had anything but sickness. And I truly believe the same way I don't believe it's about the food, I believe it's about the steps because I believe that this was divinely given uh, just like several, you know, other things in life that somehow, you know, a bunch of, it came from the drunks who came together and then, you know, uh, overeaters who, who modeled it on gamblers, the whole history of, of OA, doesn't matter. This, the whole concept that as a group of six of, of sick people, we can alchemize into this group of people who are holding each other's hands and hopeful and helping each other. And not only through the steps and whatever, but when somebody is feeling that that pull in the beginning, because it wasn't just like I gained 20 pounds and then I was okay. I hated the fact that I had gained 20 pounds. I, I had to fight with these terrible feelings. About, and I was on television on top of it. So it was like, it was not easy. Like all of a sudden buying clothes that were bigger and stuff, but I was all in. And um, I would go on assignment, I would go up to meetings. And if I couldn't find an OA meeting, I went to an AA meeting. And it became the priority in my life. And that to me is what I believe is the key to long-term recovery. The steps, 
and that it is a priority in your life. I never kept it. I didn't, I was so relieved to be able to live in the world again. I didn't, I mean, I didn't just tell everybody on the street, but if it, if something, some, someone was going to be in my life, you know, on pretty constant basis, they'd have to know that, that a meeting was part of my life. Well, I, and that, you know, that meant, you know, leaving, walking to a meeting, whatever, it'd be like an hour and a half between leaving and coming back. But I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care. And then I had, so in this program, I did not get fired. I continued my career. I had a 28 year career as a journalist. I got married. I had four children. It wasn't all easy, especially, you know, pregnancy, because I ate a lot during my pregnancy. I had three meals a day and probably, I mean, I never counted my meals or whatever, three meals a day and snacks. And I gained a ton of weight. And after I had the babies, I lost weight. You know, it's like, it happens. That's what, and yes, my body changed. Of course my body. And I'm also going to be 64 in a month. Your body changes with age. And part of, to me, the step work is the, acceptance like that that if I had a tat I don't love tattoos and my three of my children have tattoos but if I ever had a tattoo it would be like the acceptance prayer like somewhere hidden on my back because that has defined my life in every kind every time there's a problem in my life it's acceptance is the answer and and my acceptance and my serenity are like this if my serenity is high my acceptance is really high and it's like they both work off of each other and so yes, post-menopause, all of a sudden, I couldn't eat the same way, even though I exercised the same, I couldn't eat the same way because my doctor said, ah, it's menopause, it's your estrogen and your blah, blah, blah. And I was so angry, like, that is just not fair. I'm not puking, I'm not whatever, I shouldn't have to deal with this. But I did, like every other woman, you know, like my waist, my waist, which I'm Cuban, so I had a very like small waist and a big ass. All of a sudden, my waist got thicker. And there was nothing I could do about it. And you know what I could do about it? Accept it. Acceptance is the key to all my problems today. Because it wasn't like I all of a sudden gained 100 pounds. It was that th there were changes in my body that I could do nothing about. You know, and I, you know, I wasn't going to go plastic surgery or whatever. I, it was just a long acceptance. I mean, I hadn't worn a bikini in a million years. So what difference does it make? And then, you know, I also would see, I would go to the beach, like, you know, it, it pains me, and I hate to say this, but when I go to, I, I really cut down on body image meetings recently because it pains me to hear Five minutes. how much self-hate there is about our bodies, as if we are different from the rest of the world. When I went to a, um, on a vacation last summer for like a week, and I was on the beach looking around, and there were people just having fun, all shapes and sizes, walking around without like putting a towel around them or hiding in a big moo or something, just enjoying their lives. So not everybody is fo is like we are focused on our bodies and stuff. And I thought that is the way I always want to be. Like, I don't want to be somebody counting my little cellulite pockets on the back of my leg or, you know, doing whatever. I just want to live my life because to me, that's another form of jail. That is the same. It's a different form of the jail, the food thoughts and the food um, self-flagellation put me in, you know, like, why would I give up? Why would I fight to learn how to be myself without that food to then go into a new prison of, Oh my God, I can't show my legs. Oh my God. I can't like, uh, my body is so horrible. You know, that makes me so sad to hear, 
you know, and I understand disappointment with body, please. I mean, I'm not saying I don't have disappointments and stuff, but I, acceptance is the key. I say, you know what? You birthed all these kids. You had, you know, you had a really full life, you know, and this is what happens. My husband is not the same as he was either, but he's not walking around crying about it. He's just, he's still playing golf. He's still doing whatever. And I just think that those are the normies and that's what I want to, I want to act like that. But for me to act like that, I have to some days feel, uh, start down that road of, you know, like, oh my God. And then say, acceptance is the key to all my problems today and live in the third step and live and see where, where my character is. I mean, every day it's to me, the steps aren't just the steps that sit there. They live in my life. I say, I'm in a really bad mood today. And what is that? Which is the, what is the character defect? Oh, it's, it's anger. What's below you, what's beneath the anger, fear beneath my character defects. 99% of the time it's fear, fear of losing what I have or not getting what I want, which is the last thing. And I think step seven, like those things are ingrained in my brain. You know, it's like, Oh, why am I acting or, or wanting to act this way? It's usually a character defect. It's usually fear. I look at the fear. If I have to make an amend, like a, call somebody to make the 10 step amend, I do it. If I have to just calm myself down with meditation, I do it. There is not, and there is not a step that doesn't like people say they live in 10, 11 and 12. I live in six to 12 really, because to me, six and seven have just changed my life because now when I'm feeling off, I think about what is going on and what can I do about it? And that's what the steps are. The steps are recognition, acceptance, action. You know, that's all, that's what it is. You know, it's recognition, acceptance, action, but through those steps. And that's what says, I'm, I can choose to be in a bad mood today, or I could choose to do something about it, you know, and that, and before I didn't have that choice. I was a prisoner, I, you know, and today I say, I don't want to be a prisoner of food. I don't want to be a prisoner of nasty thoughts about myself. I don't want to be a prisoner of nasty thoughts about other people. I still do the whole you know, pray, praying for somebody who really annoys the shit out of me. I still do that. And it, and it works. I mean, it's worked for 30 years, you know, and, um, and even if I don't want to, and, and the other thing I have to say in this last year in this pandemic, I've taken on all these sponsees and stuff. And that's step 12, that helping, helping others helps me like in, in a way that you until, unless you're doing it, you can't even begin to describe how deep it can be, you know, helping somebody. And then like, I took somebody through the 12 steps this year, who's in London. I'm in, I'm in Miami, Florida. She's in London. She was such a beautiful, thank you. She was such a beautiful sponsee and she really um, changed my life. I mean, she changed my life. I felt so much love for her and she was the age of one of my daughters. And um, that's what this that's what this program is. We help each other and we're all beautiful. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much for being here, sharing and kicking us off today. Uh, Rich R, you're next. Please share with us. Can someone please unmute Rich? Rich R. Hi, everybody. My name is Rich. I am a bulimic. I'm an addict. Thank you, Victoria. You told a lot of my story. Uh, you know, I, I asked my higher power to, uh, to kind of take over here and keep my ego out of this because 
left to my own devices, I'll mess it all up. I have to realize that I'm powerless. So, uh, but I'll tell you my story. I'm a bulimic and I'm an addict. And uh, I'm also in the other fellowship. I'm actually in a couple of other fellowships. But uh, yeah, when I, when I'll go back to my childhood. When I was a kid, food was very, very important in my house. Uh, my family didn't really express their feelings or their emotions, but they would all sit around the table and we would eat and food almost had like a love aspect to it. You know, we wouldn't, I didn't get a lot of I love yous, but I did a lot of eat and have some more food and eat this and eat that. Whenever a problem came up, we would sit down and eat over, eat, eat over it. And that's what I learned when I was a kid. I, uh, you know, I grew up shy. I was artistic. And I would put my feelings into my art. Okay, I did that for a long time. And I was a little bit overweight. I remembered my mother took me, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. My mother took me down to uh, Macy's or Sears or one of those stores and she couldn't find pants to fit me. Maybe I was seven or eight years old. And, and the guy said, uh, try the Husky section. And my mother freaked out, you know, who's this guy to say that you're a Husky? And she dragged me out of the store. And I felt somehow like I was, I was responsible for that. You know, I was, I was guilty. Uh, my friends used to pick on me. They would call me Chubbs, you know, and they would pick me last when we were playing ball games or whatever. And I remember going to bed one night, tying a belt around my waist, making it really tight. I was, I was young, thinking that I would wake up with a thinner waist, you know. So it really bothered me. Uh, when I got to be 12 or 13 and I became interested in girls, I lost all that baby fat and I, and eating wasn't that important to me. I got thinner, got a girlfriend. I got recognized for my artwork. My, my ego got really big. I, I was really happy with God. I thought God was really taking care of me now. Okay. Food wasn't a problem. And uh, in the sixties, and I've been in program 35 years. In the 60s, I, I became a hippie and I started experimenting with drugs. I was in art college, uh, experimented with hallucinogenics. I got really weird. I got long, bushy hair and a big mustache. And, and this girl I was in love with for so many years dumped me. I, I was devastated. And I went a little bit crazy. I'd been taking a lot of LSD and a lot of amphetamines. And I guess I had had a bad trip and I dropped out of school and I was hearing voices and I started self-medicating myself, you know, taking sleeping pills, taking tranquilizers, anything to make those voices go away. And I eventually got married and I became a full-blown heroin addict and I struggled with that for years. And then I became a methadone addict and I finally ended up in a 12-step program, okay, where they talked about God and a higher power. And I was like, I don't want this God. I don't want a God that took my girlfriend away and that did all these other things to me. So I wanted to learn how to get clean, how to get sober, but I didn't want to have anything to do with God until I got to the point of total desperation and I surrendered and I had a spiritual experience and my desire to use was lifted out of me. And I threw myself right away into the steps, writing a fourth step, you know, looking at all the people I resented, looking at my wrongs, and what I didn't realize is there was still that hole in my belly that I couldn't take care of. Uh, I did steps. I started sponsoring guys in, in the other program, but the food started sneaking up on me. I remember going out with my, with my new girlfriend. Uh, my marriage had broken up. Been through the steps, sponsoring 15 guys, taking them through the steps. 
And I went out with my girlfriend and my parents and I got really angry and I went into the bathroom and put my fingers down my throat and threw up. And where did that come from? I had no idea. Uh, I started working on the physical part of my, of my disease and I started doing martial arts, Taekwondo. And I remember my instructor said to me, Richard, I had a Korean, he said, you're getting a little bit heavy. You know, he said heavy, but you know, that was his accent. And, uh, I went on Weight Watchers, did the karate, did Weight Watchers, got really buff, got really thin, had eight pack abs. I got to the point where, you know, I take my shirt off and people would stop in the street and say, wow, look at that guy. Uh, I go to a chiropractor and she said, usually we make our guys put the shirts back on, but you can keep yours off. So my ego was that big. Okay. And, you know, they say your ego is not your amigo. I, uh, I met my wife at that point. She was younger. She was gorgeous. And in the back of my mind was, well, if this girl saw the heavier me, she wouldn't want to be with me. And with the Weight Watchers, whenever I ate something that wasn't on the plan, I threw up, hid it from her, kept doing that. I got to eventually, I got rid of that. I was throwing up 15 times a day, couldn't stop taking laxatives, having accidents with that, exercising five hours a day to try to work off all the calories, drove my wife crazy. We had a couple of kids. I would eat all their food, throw up. I remember we went out to a ball game and of course, like we were playing softball, took, took my shirt off because I was full of ego. Uh, went behind a tree and threw up every time I ate something. You know, uh, it, it was horrific. I got to the point where I had to have gum surgery. All my teeth were cut, sewn up. Uh, now, I mean, I haven't purged in 15 years. I haven't taken laxatives in 15 years. I haven't over-exercised in 15 years, but I have to go in because I damaged my esophagus. Okay. I've got like 15 dental implants. There's something in my esophagus. They have to go in with a camera and look and see what's going on next week. I'm going in for that. Uh, for me, it's all about trying to do God's will, losing that self-centeredness, losing that ego, you know, asking God for help. Uh, I'm divorced now that my eating disorder ruined my marriage. You know, it's my, my attitude and my, my personality. I still haven't drank drugged. Uh, 13 years ago, I had a, well, this is more than 13 years ago. I had a condo in New Jersey and I was holding the rafters. I was going to hang myself. And I, I just, because of my bulimia, and I, I reached out to God for help at that point. And I got abstinent for a little while, moved to New Hampshire, I didn't like the OA in New Hampshire. I thought it reminded me of the old gray sheet. And I kind of backed away from OA for a while. And I relapsed into the bulimia. And 13 years ago, once again, I asked God for help. And since then, it's been a, a journey of recovery, a real journey of recovery. I mean, I write my inventories. I try to be of service. Uh, I was nervous about speaking today. I picked up my, picked up my notebook. Did a little inventory, a little 10 step inventory on that, you know, and I saw that I was trying to play God and I realized that it's not about me. It's about you. It's about helping the other person. And it's about letting God work through me. And God is running the show, not rich. You know, and I have to remember that on a daily basis because there's always a battle between my ego and doing God's will. And I had this little coin with a little picture of the devil on one side and with God on the other side, you know, and I can decide if I want to do God's will or if I want to do Rich's will. And I think the trick for me is aligning my will with God's will. I mean, the big book says that we believe that God's will for us is to be of maximum service to him and to the people around us. And, and 
that's it. Whenever I'm jammed up, whenever I'm having a problem or a trouble, I have to think, who can I help? Who can I call? Who can I reach out to? You know, is there somebody who's suffering? Is there somebody who maybe can just use a phone call? You know, and I do that. And when I do that, it gets me out of myself. I mean, it's impossible for me to think about me and my needs and my wants and think about how I can help you. So more and more, I'm trying to be of service to people. I mean, I sponsor a couple of guys. I'm working with them. Uh, I don't say no when people ask me. I mean, that, that's, that's what, what helps keep me, keeps, keep me absent. It keeps me clean. Eating. I eat everything. Okay. I, I eat everything. I have a little belly. You know, I'm no longer looking for those eight pack abs. Or I'd like them to miraculously reappear, but that's not going to happen. It's more important for me to not obsess about the food, you know, to not restrict. I mean, as a bulimic, I went for a long time restricting certain foods. If I, if I eat this food, I was bad. This was a bad food. This was a bad food. And that would always lead me into a binge. You know, 13 years ago, I also had the thought that, you know, I, up until that point, I thought if I can stop binging, I can stop vomiting. But then I realized, well, what if I flip it around? What if I binge, but keep that food in, keep it down, you know, as somebody else had said, and that worked for me. And, the first time I overate, I felt sick. I felt like I had to get rid of it, <clears throat> but I didn't get rid of it. And the second time I overate, it got easier to hold it in. Third time, even easier. After a while, the binges got smaller. Okay. I mean, today I try to be gentle with myself, not judge myself, not judge my food. No good food, bad food categories. You know, I, I also did that gray sheet for a long time. I mean, we, we, had a, we had a pamphlet called Dignity of Choice back in the, came out in the late 70s. And, you know, everything was weighed and measured and structured. And I, and, I, and I always felt guilty if I had anything that wasn't on that plan. And that just threw me into my, into my bulimia. Uh, so I had two beautiful children with my third wife. I've made amends to them. I'm going to see them fairly often. They're in New York. They're in L.A. And... Uh, and that's part of this program is trying to reach out to them and try to try to make amends for, for behaviors that I had done in the past. Uh, should be going to LA probably next month to see my son and meet up with him and his girlfriend. Uh, at night, I do a nightly review. I start out with the third step prayer. You know, I look to see, uh, I review my day. Where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, uh, do I owe any amends that I hurt anybody? Uh, is there something I need to discuss with another human being? You know, the next day I'll call somebody and say, listen, I have to talk about this. I think I owe an apology to this guy for saying this or doing that. And I'll make my amends. I mean, that's what the program teaches me to do. I do write. I don't always write a nightly review, but if I'm really stuck, I do. I write it out the same way I wrote out my fourth step. I look at you know, my self-esteem, my security, my ambition, my personal relations and how these things affect that. And uh, I ask God for forgiveness, you know, at the end of my review, if I did anything that uh, I find was offensive, I ask my higher power, please forgive me. And, uh, and I ask for whatever, you know, constructive measures I, I need to take. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I also start with the third step prayer. I mean, I do have an early, early meeting I go to, but normally I'll I'll sit up in the bed and I'll meditate and I'll, I'll start with the third step prayer. I'll ask God to direct my thinking. 
you know, ask him to uh, keep me free from selfish, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. And then I, I do like an Eastern type meditation where I breathe in and I breathe out and I relax and I breathe in and breathe out. And, and it's all about how can I be of service and thoughts will come in, you know, call this person, do that. If I focus on being of service, my meditation goes, goes well. If I focus on, well, what can I do to improve my income or my relationships or whatever, then it doesn't go that well. Well, relationships do, it does go well because this is all about relationships. Uh, what else? I don't know. I don't know how much time I've got left. I didn't put my timer on. I usually. Uh, You're just coming up on five minutes left. Five minutes left. Okay. So in my recovery, okay, I've been married twice. Um, I left my, uh, I left my second wife because she was drinking and drugging and it was driving me crazy when I was in the other program. And I, and I remarried this, this beautiful woman who, who divorced me because of my behaviors. And uh, I did make amends to her. I did make amends to her. Uh, five more minutes. Let me think. Okay, God, give me a little inspiration here. If it be thy will. That's another thing I do is I always say, if it be thy will, thy will, not mine, be done. You know, uh, I always wanted things to go my way, you know, and I, and I didn't try to uh, focus on, on accepting accepting things as the way they are um, i don't know i may have to end it a little bit short i think i'm uh running out of things to say i'm running out of inspiration so once that happens you know i just run i'm running on self-will so so with that i love you all i love this program this program saved my life when any anytime i hear any of you i can identify and i take a little part of you and put it into my heart and, and uh and that's uh that's how this works it's all about giving and taking and identifying. And, and if you're out there and if you're struggling with bulimia or struggling with overeating, and if you're struggling with, uh, with medical issues, there is a solution. You know, if you, even if you have that feeling of hopelessness, sometimes that, that gift of desperation is what saves you the most because that's what gets you to reach out for a power greater than yourself or to reach out to your fellows for uh, for help so that i mean i had to get desperate in order to get saved uh, so there is a solution it worked for me it works for hundreds if not thousands of other people and we've all been to that point of total despair and hopelessness and we've all found a, a new freedom and a new happiness you know those ninth promises came through came true for me then they kind of go away and then they come back and the more i do the work the more they come back and uh, it's just a miracle how this program works. So, I mean, no matter what you're doing right now, you could be just following a food plan and wanting to lose weight or you're looking for a higher power or, or you're just curious, just keep coming because miracles do happen in this program. And that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you so much, Rich. Great, great having you here today. Thank you for sharing with us. And Lucy M is up next. Please share with us, Lucy. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. So I'm Lucy, Compostable Overeater. Very happy to be here with everyone and for the wonderful convention. And I'm just happy I'm the last one because I can enjoy the other speakers and they had a wonderful stories. And um, so when they um, said, so I will say thanks. I'm an honor 
be here and thanks for the invitation. And I remember they asked me last year and I thought, ah, one year, a lot of things happen. Uh, the last minute I would change my mind, <laughs> but no, I say, you know, I say yes. And I keep my commitment, no matter what is what I do with the program. And uh, I was like, I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, so I like to say, like, uh, I'm the person who came to the program. Uh, I've become abstinent May 16, 2000, for the grace of my higher power, uh, one hour at a time for 21 years, uh, continuous abstinent. And, but I, when I came for the first time, I think it was 1997. And I was just in the beginning, I was abstinent and then relapsed, abstinent and relapsed, abstinent and relapsed. And one time I was abstinent for a year and I just relapsed again. So at the point like I, I won't try it again because, because I thought, why should I try it? You know what? I was, I was start compulsive overeating. So, so anyway, so, but my, uh, my higher power believe in me. And, um, and I just become abstinent as that. So when I came to the program and it is, I came to the program, I just remember, I didn't know the, the, the English, the idiom. And, um, and I don't understand what they're saying, but I know I feel so good and feel better, but they talking about the food in the program and overeating. So, and at the end of the meeting, the, the only thing I said, uh, at the last the last three minutes or the last minute, because there was a lot of people at noon meeting in the Oasis here in San Diego, I say my name and I say, hi, I'm Lucy Compostor Overeater. That's the only thing I said and I feel so good. <laughs> and the next meetings, because I went to a meeting every single day, every single day I was there. I was waiting for the miracle, but I wasn't ready to receive the miracle because I wasn't ready to give up all the, all the good things I like, you know, I said, I wasn't ready and I couldn't be abstinent and not, uh, you know, I couldn't be abstinent, not even one meal. I'm just, I need, uh, um, I passed. I had to constantly overeat all day long, constantly, constantly, every five minutes, something here, something there, something that. So when they say, oh, is that just three meals a day? I say, what? <laughs> I don't think so. It is all day long. It's 24 hours and during the nighttime too. So um, for me, it's a miracle. I'm here. And for me, it's a miracle. I'm abstinent. I say, oh my God, really? It's only for the grace of my higher power. And my sponsor always remind me, you know what? I, you, Lucy, you did something. It does not happen just because God's love you. Because I think God's loved me. So I had to have a sponsor. So I was looking because I sponsored myself for four years. You know, you believe that how far was it? <laughs> I didn't believe in anyone. I didn't trust anyone. I don't have a higher power. I just know I'm so smart is why I was there. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I had to find the sponsor. And, and the first thing she said, I had to translate everything in Spanish and do it in Spanish and do it in English and give it to her. And I thought, what? I don't have her time. I had to work. I had a newborn. I had a husband who just behind me all the time, tell me this and tell me that. I was hiding in the closet to, to talk to my sponsor, really. So, and she said, call me at 5.30, call me at six o'clock. And I, said, I was waiting, counting my, the minutes my, my husband left to work. 
And my husband started feeling suspicious, like, what is the reason she wants me to leave? You know, and he stayed longer. And I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then finally he left and I called my sponsor. And, you know, this is going on. This is da, da, da. So and the thing is, like, you know what? I always call my sponsor. I was so messed up because I always call my sponsor and say, you know what? I don't know what I'm calling you again when I have the same problems. Everything is the same. And she said, she always said, because Lucy, you don't want a compostable overeat today. And I said, really? Oh, okay. I just ask her the same question every day. So, and now I'm 21 years. Abstinent. I said, wow, that is for me. It is for share this miracle. The person cannot be abstinent, not even one hour, not even 30 minutes because I'm a, a very obsessive compulsive person in every single thing, not just in the food. So it is why it is so hard. So anyway, my top weight was 160. And um, so, and for the grace of God, I'm 120 and keep it off that weight for all these years, but is doing the program and continues uh, and continues working the program and doing the steps and the service and all the things I have to do, working on my resentments. And I have one pending too. So it is not like, a, oh, you know what? Long timer, I'm okay, I'm done, I'm bye. I said, no, I'm still working in different areas of my life. And um, what else I have here? Uh, yeah, with the, all the ups and downs, I just continue abstinent. When I came, I had a husband. I had a little baby, one year, two years old. And I became, I just so very disturbed uh, when she was born. And um, so I will say like a now, um, my husband passed and I was abstinent. You know what? My mother passed abstinent. My favorite family members passed. I'm abstinent. And different relationships passed. Right. So um, for me, it is just working the program. And um, so in working my spiritual, the solution, it's a spiritual. And I will say like uh, uh, in the past, I would say like uh, um, I grew up in the family, uh, Mexico, and uh, like other families, uh, very dysfunctional, uh, many addictions and uh, and very uh overweight there were uh, a compostable people compostable overeater my plus other additions right so and so uh was disturbing me other people left leaving so anyway so i will say like uh uh you know i was a skinny i was really skinny and my parents they were overweight i was very skinny and because I thought it's they, because they thought I was skinny, I don't need to eat much. But they were wrong because my disease were inside myself. You know, it is like they say, like uh, doing exercises for me when it is that time to overeat everything I can. So I would say like I was really, really skinny and I was just always uh, upset and anger against them because I thought, what is the reason they don't feed me more? What is the reason they don't give me more food? What is the reason they feed me for a little kid when I was just inside wanting more all the time, right? 
And I see like a in Mexico food everywhere and they give food for comfort and for loving, but not in my home. Seems like a veggies, compostable overeater. They eat a lot, but they give me just a little bit. And I thought, it's a joke, right? <laughs> it's a joke, my plate. And whenever I go to my, 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 my aunt or different people, because I was short and skinny, they just give me a little bit. They thought it's what I need. And, and I was just, it's because I just growing like a one day, I will eat everything I can, all the places I can go. So it is what I did, but that is my, that is my beginning. So with that time, I just grew up in my career because I call it my career. My career was focused in overeating and eating more and have this and this and that and all the places I had to taste all the food, all the countries. So that way I will feel better, but it is, was wrong. So, so, for, so it is why I'm here. It is why I'm, I'm staying in the program because I'm just, my, my brain is, it is the one it is working like a more and more. So for the grace of my higher power, you know, I'm just abstinent and for the grace of my power, higher power, the obsession is relief, release. I don't have that obsession. No, but I'm just working the spiritual program. I have my sponsor and you know what? A lot of people don't want to say this, but me, Lucy, compostable overeater. So I'm, I'm, I'm weight and measure my food. When I came, I did it and then I stopped it. And then my sponsor, you know, doing it because for me, for me, a big one thing that I look like a, that's a small. So for me, it is I wait and measure my food and I soon I finish my plate. I'm fine. So I had to live my life between that. And um, so, OK, so when I just become abstinent and when I the first time I stopped overeating, and I put the food on the side was very hard. Why is hard? Because I soon put the food on the side, I start feeling my feelings. I start feeling the pain from the past. I start feeling my husband pass away. I just start feeling like uh, I, I just was having abused verbally and emotional, physical, and sexually. So for me, it is like I was too much to handle without overeating. So it is, uh, I hope you listen well. So anyway, so for me, it is why it was, it was like a circle. I stopped doing it. And then I feel in all my feelings and the pain. So I grab the food again and I feel better. Oof. And then I tried again and again, I tried again. What's my sickle? So until I just working the mm -hmm. steps, working five more minutes. Thank you. Five more? Okay, thank you. So I'm glad. <laughs> okay, so the point of everything for me, it is I, I took the decision to put the program before anything. So the program, it is first for me and before anything. So, and I'm saying this because it is what I've been doing. I remember 
when they called me for my mother pass away, I was just ready to have my dinner. And I call my sponsor and I say, you know what, this has happened and I'm ready for my dinner. And they call me for the place to check, pick up the body, whatever. And my sponsor said, you know what? You have to have your dinner first, da, 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 da. So that's what I did. I was in the floor crying for all of this, but it is, it is follow the suggestion, follow my higher power is what I did. The same with my husband pass away. So it is putting my program first, putting everything first. And what I've been learning in the program, it is I learned to cry because when I came, I didn't cry. I didn't cry at all. So I was living in a lot of fear and I learned to accept. I am a possible overeater. Yes, I am. Yes, I had a problem. Yes, I'm not acting out in my disease, but it is there. And just for the grace of my higher power, I'm abstinent today. So, uh, so what I needed is to, uh, to um, what is it? Making amends too for my past. And I've just learned too, it's like a, this is very important for me was when I become abstinent, I saw my past and everything and I wanna do something. And my sponsor said, no, just keep the abstinent and I'm focusing that. And remember, I cannot uh, repair my past in 24 hours. So it is what I do, keep working, keep working, what is gonna be rebel, uh, be abstinent, pass the message and, and uh, follow instructions, have a sponsor. I still have the same sponsor after many relapses and I'm working in different areas of my life. And like at the big book, it's going to be, things is gonna be to reveal when I'm ready to see the things, when I'm ready to do all the food work. And also my health is good. I'm 61 for 61. I don't have any, I don't take any medication. My, my, my uh, blood pressure is good. No? And no cholesterol, what I think. <laughs> and no, I'm not diabetic. And my, my heart is very strong. So, you know what? For my age and my health, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, uh, the, I will say my weight, it is, I have the weight my higher one week wants to have. I didn't weigh myself. I didn't play before. I play a lot with the, with the scale. But now, you know what? I just probably weigh myself every year, every six months. I'm eating the same. Well, not the same, but I'm just eating the way I can eat the rest of my life. If I have to do any changes, I call my sponsor before because my life is on and off. And it is at least in, uh, to, today, it's, it's a, it's a long timers. And I said, you know what? I'm doing the same thing I did in the beginning. Nothing different. I'm doing the same thing for keeping it the same results. I think it's already that's five minutes. Yes. So thank you, everyone. Thank to my higher power. Thanks to my wonderful and patient sponsor. And I'm in my lovely, lovely grandson. Thank you.